The new organ of St. Thomas Aquinas University Parish is played here by Dr. Carol Williams. For hundreds of years, the Catholic Church has used the organ for its structural resemblance to the human voice. Still today, the organ has pride of place in the church among musical instruments. In recent years, however, something happened that allowed for new styles of music to appear in the Catholic Mass. The Catholic Church went through a major transition and change with her liturgical worship mid-20th century. That's Father Joseph Anthony Cress. He serves as the Catholic chaplain to the University of Virginia. He talks about the Second Vatican Council, which changed the Mass in 1965. One of the shifts was the language. So it went from being Latin to the possibility of using vernacular languages. And so a lot of areas did adopt that, which then allowed for music to be sung in the vernacular. And I think that was a, was a new experience, and that kind of initiated a lot. This initiated a blossoming of new sacred music produced throughout the 1970s, which modernized the music of the Catholic Church with the introduction of new styles and instruments. Folk music became a very popular choice for many parishes, including St. Thomas Aquinas. Robert Cordaro plays guitar for the folk choir at St. Thomas Aquinas. He's been involved with the folk choir for over 30 years since he got his master's from UVA. So yeah, the folk choir was the new thing, and we were doing the newest music, basically, and that was, that was the newest of the, of the choirs. For all this loveliness, I thank you, Lord. And it wasn't until, I guess, the, oh, maybe early 2000s that the Life Team started, and they started a whole new, you know, era of, of music. My name is Carl Meyer. I am currently the director of youth ministry at St. Thomas. In the Life Teen Band, although we're, we're less of a band than we are a music group in general, we access both the ancient musical history of the church through chant, through things like that. We also, um, we also use the music that is still being created, um, a lot of which would be recognized as praise and worship music, which oftentimes I refer to as modern sacred music because it is set apart for God. Um, and I like to not separate it from the, the body of sacred music. It's part of our history as well. Praise and worship music has increased in popularity over the last few years and is generally more popular among younger generations. UVA student Kat Hammock leads in singing contemporary praise and worship music at the student mass, saying this. I would sing on Sunday mass at 9 p.m. and I would sing on Thursday mass at 9 p.m. I am there to serve others while I'm at this mass and I'm there to, um, to, to bring glory to God through the music that I'm doing, through like the gift that he's given me. My role is really just to use music to amplify the liturgy, not to distract, but it's important to have music that will help you glorify God and will help the congregation to um, understand deeper what is happening um, on the altar. The primary role of a liturgical musician is to lead the congregation in communal worship of God. When this is done correctly, their music emits secondary benefits. One of the secondary traits of liturgical music is that it has the ability to make somebody feel at home very quickly. There's a very wide spectrum of people that calls St. Thomas Aquinas home. 
All are represented at the parish, disregarding geographical or generational differences. The wide variety of traditional organ, chant, folk, and praise and worship music gives everyone the opportunity to feel at home in the church. So the reason that St. Thomas Aquinas University Parish employs a little bit of a the diverse musical program is because her parishioners are very diverse. <laughs> that's I mean that's at the end of the day is because in the humanity of its own parishioners, it is quite diverse. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is the church isn't in the business of laws, restrictions, and rules. The church is in the business of redemption and salvation. At the end of the day, the church is in the business of humanity. That's the thing I love. It's in the business of humanity. And that humanity has a diversity to it. And so we shouldn't be afraid of that. Now, the beauty of that diversity is that it's still unified. We are still unified in the one God that is worshipped. Music has the unique ability to engage our emotions, and when music accompanies prayer and the worship of our Creator, those emotions become even stronger. Ever since I started with the choir, that was the highlight of my week, was singing at Mass. And to serve the people here, uh, I feel my music, uh, my musical ability, what limited I have, is a gift from God. So I feel it's my, my duty to use that gift in the whatever way God calls me. I know that God has trusted me with this position and I know that he has trusted me with this ministry in a way. And I know that in order for me to best serve the ministry and best like use the gift that God has given me in order to glorify him and to really try to bring that to other people, then I have to lean on him in that process. Music has been so central uh, to my identity as, as a Catholic, as a child of God, as a, a gift that I've been given. We all want to know what our purpose in life is, and we find purpose when we can identify what those gifts are and we can start to see how God intends to use them in his larger plan. My advice on how to engage in the music and, and how to do that is do not become passive. Do not just become a passive audience member. It should be the cantor or the choir setting the example as an invitation to others to join in a unified voice. For WTJU, this is Patrick Kilgannon.